you know, I, uh, I, I do a lot of reading. I, I do more reading, uh, you know, nowadays than I thought I would ever read. And um, I grabbed a book, and it was about the, uh, the inner child. And in reading the book about the inner child, it says, whenever you actually become comfortable with the inner child as far as who God has truly created within you, uh, you know, that you become lighthearted and you become very creative. So here's part of my inner child and part of my creativity, uh, which doesn't branch out very far. Uh, you know, but Ashley is going to come up and she's going to bring the children because this is family worship day. Uh, you know, so what I'm going to do and what we're going to do as a congregation is that we're going to worship with the children this morning. So they have pillows up here to be comfortable. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and invite you to go ahead and be comfortable. Uh, I am going to read a book and it's uh, you know, right there in front of you. Your, um, your bulletin has it. It's The Snitches. And how many of you have ever read that book, or do you remember this book? Sneetches? Okay. Uh, you know, thank you very much. Uh, you know, see, my creativity. See, I was going to call it my own book. But it's by Dr. Seuss, okay? Uh, you know, so it's the Sneetches. Uh, you know, see, it, uh, you know, that's better than Crystal. You know, I was calling it Snitches yesterday, and she goes, well, please don't say Snitches get stitches. Uh, you know, so... So we'll see if we can't get this right today, uh, you know, this, you know, this afternoon or this morning. But it's good to have y'all here. Have y'all had fun so far this morning? Yeah, running around in church. You know, we, you don't get to run in church all that often, do you? Unless adults are holding up money for you to come get it, right? Then you're able to run, you know, but that's really good. So I'm glad that y'all are here. Uh, you know, adults, you will have the book that will be changing on the screens for you, so you can read right along. So if I miss if I miss a word, just tell me later on. Don't tell me today or anything like that. Just say later on. Uh, you know, go with me. And children, here you can look up there, or I have the book for us right here. Okay, but it starts. I'm, I've already asked how many of y'all know this you know book, but so we're going to go on with it. Okay, it says now the star belly snitches or snitches. Starbelly Sneetches had bellies with stars. The plain belly Sneetches, I'm just going to call them Snitches because I can't get that word out there. We're going to call them Snitches today. Have none upon bars. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star belly sneeches would brag, we're the best kind of sneeches on the beaches, with their snoots in the air, and they would sniff, and they would snort, we'll, we'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they, they met some they, when they were walking, they'd hike high and pass them without even talking. When the star belly, star belly children went out to play ball, could the playing bellies get into the game? Not at all. They would only play if their bellies had stars. 
and the plain belly children had none upon theirs. When the star belly sneeches had frankfurter roast or picnics or parties or marshmallow toast, they never invited the plain belly sneeches. They left them out in cold, or they left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. They kept them away, never letting them come near, and that's how they treated them year after year. Then one day, it seems, while the plain belly sneeches were moping and doping along the beaches, just sitting there wishing their bellies had stars, a stranger zipped up in the strangest of cars. My friends, he announced in a voice clear and keen, my name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean. I have heard of your troubles. I have, I've heard you're unhappy, but I can fix that. I'm the fixer-upper Chappie, I've come here to help you. I have what you need, and my price prices are low, and I work at great speed, and my work is 100% guaranteed. Then quickly, Sylvester McMonkey, did I miss a page? Nope. Then quickly, Sylvester McMonkey McBean put together a very peculiar machine. And he said, you want stars like the star belly snitch? My friend, you can have them for $3 each. Just pay me your money and hop right aboard. So they climbed in. Then the big machine roared and it knocked and it bonked. And it jerked, and it brinked, and it bopped then, uh, them about. But then, really, but the thing really worked. When the plain belly snitches popped out, they had stars. They actually did. They had stars upon theirs. Then they yelled at the ones who had stars at the start. We're exactly like you. You can't tell us apart. We're all just the same. Now, now you snort old smarties. Snooty. Okay, thank you for correcting me yesterday. Snooties. And now we can go to your Frankfurter parties. Good grief grown the ones who had stars at first, we're still the best sneeches, and there they are the worst. But how, but now how in the world can we know? They are, they all frowned, if which kind is what, or the other way around. Wow, that's a predicament, isn't it? And then up came McBean with a very sly wink. And he said, things are not quite so bad or as bad as you think. So you don't know who's who. 
That is pretty true. But come to me, friends. Do you know what I can do, what I'll do? I'll make you, again, the best sneeches on the beaches. And all it will cost you is $10 each. Inflation. Belly stars are no longer in style, said McBean. What you need is a trip through my star-off machine. This wondrous contraption will take off your stars, so you won't look like sneeches who have them on bars. And they had, and that handy machine works very precisely removing all the stars from their tummies quite nicely. Then, with snoots in the air, they paraded about, and they looked their, they opened their beaks, and they let out a snort. We know who is who. Now, there isn't a doubt. The best kind of snitches is snitches without. Then, of course, those with stars all got frightfully mad. They were wearing a star now that was frightfully bad. Then, of course, old Sylvester McMonkey McBean invited them into his star-off machine. And then, of course, from then on, as you probably guess, things really got in a horrible mess. All the rest of the day, on those wild, screaming beaches, the fixer-up champy kept fixing up snitches. Off again, on again, in again, out again. Through the machine, they raced around and about again, changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying, they kept paying money. They kept running through until the plane or the star bellies knew, the plane nor the star bellies knew whether this one was the one or that one was the one or which one was what one, or what one was who. Then, when every last cent of their money was spent, the fixer, the fix-it-up champy picked up and he went. And he laughed as he drove in his car up the beach. They never will learn. No, you can't teach a sneech. But McBeam was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say the Sneeches got really quiet, got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that Sneeches are Sneeches and no kind of Sneech is the better, is the best on the beach. That day, all Sneeches forgot about stars and whatever they had or whether they had one or not upon bars.
So which one are you? Are you a plain belly snitch? Or do you have a star? As we think about this, and as we as adults look into this, and I want you to think here, because as Christians, we have been Christians for quite a while, right? Our language has changed. We have became an exclusive group. We talk a certain way. We have a certain vocabulary. And because of that, and because of the vocabulary and the way that we talk, we alienate or we ostracize non-Christians. So if we are saying that we have stars on our bellies, then we treat the non-starred bellies, the lost people of the world, differently because of who we are. God tells us in the scripture that he is love. And that if we have him within us, then we have love. But the problem is, is that whenever we walk this earth and we live this life as a Christian, who we are or who we were before has been changed. But God is calling us to minister to the ones that are now who we used to be. But we have troubles understanding why in the world they cannot place their hope in the God that we place our hope in. But whenever you were lost, who did you place your hope into? You placed your hope into the God of money. Because money created happiness for you, right? Money gave you security, right? We talk about we had security within our jobs. Uh, you know, nowadays... People don't have the security in the jobs that my father had. My dad worked for the same company for over 30 years. But now a company will get rid of you once you've been there for five or six years because they don't want to pay you the extra amount. So the, uh, you know, the ability to understand this hope and the, understand, and the ability to understand how we commit to something is gone. But yet we're trying to force the people that's in the world, the lost people, we're trying to force them to understand commitment in the way that we understand commitment. I, you know, I am committed to God. Why? Why am I committed to God? Because I have hope in His everlasting life. Because I trust Him to provide for all of my needs. But what about the ones that don't experience that? How do we get them to understand that they need to commit to that God? How do we get them to understand that they need to trust that God? Because whenever we were lost, we were searching for something to trust. We were searching for something to put our hope into. We were searching for something that we would be able to hang on to and be able to trust and to know that that is actually what's going to happen. So how do we do this for the people? You know, I've been thinking about this. You know, because whenever we think about this, we, we want to make them to conform to what we are and who we are, right? We want them to look like we do. We want them to act like we do. 
But how do we do that if we're afraid to go where they are? How do we do that if we're talking a language that they don't understand? My daughter, you know, I, I love Crystal. Uh, you know, she will tell you that she is my favorite. Uh, you know, I love her. I, I do. But I still love the boys. I might love her a little bit more. But she talks about inclusion. You know, she works with the YMCA. And she's had to go to classes about racism. And she came to her mother and I with this word or with this statement that we are racist because we have been raised in a whitewashed society. Do you understand that? I have been white all my life. I don't understand what they go through. I have been a Christian since I was 14 years old. I don't understand what the lost people of this world are going through today. I don't. Whenever I was struggling as a teenager in high school, drugs were very, they, they, were, they were not really on the stage all that much. Now you have teenagers in school that are overdosing on drugs that they find in their parents' medicine cabinets. We have kids that are facing not only marijuana, but they're also facing harder drugs. We have people, we have children, we have young people that are in middle school that are being pressured into having sex with other kids. Because by, if you're that old, then you really need to get in with it. What did we deal with? Bruce Springsteen's song, uh, you know, The Good Die Young. That was the pressure. How do we do this? How can we go back? How do we remember what God has brought us from? If we're running so hard and so fast... From our past. How does he use that? I want to take you to this. And think about this. The scars. That Jesus has. Scars on his hands and his feet. The one pierced his side. The star from having the crown of thorns. uh, On his brow. That is how he proved to his disciples that he was who he was after his resurrection. He shows up in the upper room. And what does he do? He shows them the the scars in his hands and his feet. There's a lot of times that we are so quickly and so we fight so fervently to get rid of our scars. To get rid of the struggles and to get rid of 
all the things in our past that has made us who we are and that has opened up the doors for us to minister to people that are still struggling with those stars. Scars. Stars, scars, scars. What we have gone through, God wants to use it to save someone that's going through the same thing. We can't become so high and mighty as a Christian that we forget to be able to talk to the lost. We have to be able to be attractive. Now, I'm not talking about your good looks. I know I still look good. I'm not talking about that. But if we are talking about something that is so foreign to the lost that they don't want it, then we're not able to communicate God's love to them in a manner that they need to be able to experience it. See, we forget John 3.16 that He loved the world. So much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us before we were even born. Because he loves us. Let me throw this here out there to you. God loves Christians just as much as he loves the lost. He doesn't love us any better because we come to church on Sunday mornings, because we read His Scripture. He doesn't love us any more because we have asked for forgiveness of our sins. So why should we act as if we are better than the ones that have not asked for forgiveness of their sins? Why do we act like we are better than someone that is struggling with something that we have already won that victory over. Why are we so afraid of talking to the lost? You remember whenever Jesus got through preaching the uh, Sermon on the Mount? He came down from the Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing that he did whenever he came down from the Sermon on the Mount was he touched a leopard. He didn't get leprosy. He cured leprosy. We're not going to get sin if we talk to someone that is in a sinful state. We're giving them the healing. We're giving them Jesus Christ. It's not going to rub off on us. You don't get sin by osmosis. You get sin by action. You know, we can't. We can't be like the snitches, the sneeches. We can't be afraid. We cannot. We cannot set ourselves separate. We're still in this world. 
God knows that we're still in this world. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. To live in us. So that we can live in this world. But not be of this world. We love the children. And y'all are doing great this morning. Man. All the speaker wires and all that stuff, man, sitting up here. And y'all were doing good, sitting right there, man. This morning, as we look at this, we have to be able to talk to this group here. We have to be able to allow them to understand what we're talking about whenever we talk about the love of God. Whenever we talk about God's mercy, we have to be able to talk to them. Can I let you know something else? They're not looking for you to be perfect. They're only looking for you to be honest and to be open and to be loving. If you struggle with something, tell them. Tell them in terms that they'll be able to understand, though. See, Jesus gave the harsh fact, and he began talking about his death and his resurrection. And he told him, he said, you're going to have to partake of this. He said, you're going to have to eat my flesh, and you're going to have to drink my blood. And whenever he used that language, what happened? The majority of the people left. They said, this is a life that's too hard for us to live. And then Jesus looked at his disciples. And he said, are you going to leave too? They're like, where are we going to go? You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. And that's what we're supposed to be bringing to the children. And that's what we're supposed to be bringing to the lost of this world. But they have to be able to understand what we're bringing to them. Let's stand for dismissal. Or I'm sorry, let's stand, bow your heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll continue to be with us and that you'll guide us. God, thank you for the words that you have given to us. And God, thank you for these children that you have blessed us with today. In Jesus' name, amen.